In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general... And we are your hosts, the Street Politicians, the place where the streets, streets and politics meet. What's up, my son? Oh, man, I'm blessed and highly favored on this beautiful day. You know, I'm here, I'm alive, blood flowing. You know, I'm feeling good. How are you? I'm good, good you know, it's been a, a, a real whirlwind for... It's been a whirlwind for several years, honestly. Like, I can't really point to a time when I was like not feeling the pressure of like life in years. 
I don't know. Like I think about it, you know, because I went from, as you know, working for the National Action Network for 14 years to building my own business to going into the Women's March. And before that, it was Justice League and uh, Gathering for Justice. And then, of course, the Women's March and after the Women's March until Freedom and then all the stuff in between that happened. So I just feel like, you know, I'm blessed also, but it, it just seems like we have these big peaks um, and, of course, the low valleys. So, you know, it's it's good to be uh, alive for sure and to, you know, feel blessed. And I don't I don't feel depressed or anything. So I thank God for that. This has been a good week when I haven't been feeling depression. Well, actually, it's just the middle of the week. But, hey, two or three days blessed <laughs> not feel depression well that's the thing with the you know what it is i always have this conversation with people when people talk about depression or and i don't really know if i ever had depression right because i don't I, I don't think i know how to identify i know i've been through things where i felt stressed i know you know i've been confused i know i've been through but i don't know if i would ever say that i've experienced what depression is you know, and, and there'd be times like, you know, during this week, just, you know, this week has been kind of a lot, you know, and that's why I say I'm blessed because I've seen so much death this week and, you know, and, um, and just been intaking a lot of that, you know, I, I intake a lot. I, I think like I'm more of an empath. Like I find myself randomly being tough for me. I find myself randomly in the house, just in tears, like seeing shit that just, you know, disturbs my peace. You know, and um, but I don't know if I've ever experienced depression. I don't know. You know, I don't. I am not really the person who who deals with mental health in in the capacity that you know it's been projected lately. You know, I'm not a person who has a therapist and other things. So I don't know. I talk to. I got one or two people that I talk to that I feel comfortable talking about certain things, but for the most part. You know, I've just been dealing with life on life terms, taking bumps and bruises, cry, get up, move, wipe your knee, you know, just do live life that way. So, you know, when I hear people speak of depression, I'd be like, I don't know if I've ever been depressed. I know I've felt pain. I know I've, I've felt stress. I know I've felt trauma. I know I'm dealing with things that have been trauma for me in my life, you know, being formerly incarcerated, going through that process. Losing you, like walking into your house and your father's dead on the couch at 12 from a drug overdose, like, you know, experiencing your mother on drugs and just having to go through that, then going to jail. Like, I know I'm dealing with trauma and I don't know how I deal with it. I don't know if it's made me depressed. I don't know. So I can't really speak to that. I was, you know, I was having a conversation the other day and, um, I was actually, who was I speaking to, to talking about this? I was talking about, who was I? I was going to say short. I don't know what, who it was, but I know I was talking about sports, right? And I used to play basketball all through, like, junior high school, all the way through high school. Like, that was my thing. And, and, I'm, and, and, and I never really thought about this, but... My mother nor my father ever came to any basketball game I ever played in my life. Not, not, never was there one time that they ever came to see me play basketball at a tournament or anything. I never seen them on the side. It just never happened, you know. And I and I say to myself, I say that to say that I make sure. And I don't know. And I don't know if it just 
any time that I can, like, I do everything possible to make sure I'm at all of my sons. They play soccer games. And I made sure when my son was playing basketball that I was at every one of his basketball games. Like, so I don't know if it was subconsciously I, I did it because I understood, you know, I never had it for me. But this was the first time I ever actually recognized that. You know, and that was just the other day. As, that's a 40-plus-year-old man saying to himself, yo, you never had that. So, you know, we deal with trials and, you know, but I just say that and say I don't even know if I ever had depression. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to tell anybody else um, how to identify it because obviously I'm not a medical uh, person, doctor, med not medically trained. And so if you have never experienced it, God bless. Like, that's a beautiful thing to, to be able to claim that. But I could tell you that um, from my perspective, depression has been crippling to me more than once throughout my life, uh, you know, especially starting out probably mainly when I had my son at a very, very young age, that was a really, really difficult time because I just, I'm talking about even before his father died, just in trying to figure out what to do with this new life that I had, um, you know, and, and then when his father and I separated, which was before he died, it just was so many things. And that's like the first time in my life when I knew I was going through something that made me feel not so much, I wasn't crying or any of that, but I felt, I felt weird, very weird. And I didn't know exactly how to explain it. As time has gone on though, I've learned through therapy and just through conversations, through listening, the more that mental health becomes a part of the daily discourse. I learned that depression is something, it goes up and down. It comes in different shapes and forms. Some people get it for you know, various reasons. And I certainly, certainly have experienced it in some real, real rough times and some real, real, real difficult ways. And it, you know, I've never wanted, I've never wanted to um, die by suicide, but I will say that I have at least thought to myself, maybe once I take these pills or whatever, I won't wake up, you know, doing things like you're taking the pill with the alcoholic beverage, knowing like I'm drinking alcohol to take down the pill instead of the water. And I didn't think I was, I didn't, you know, I didn't ever think, oh, I, I'm trying to do this to die. But I certainly have thought maybe today I just won't wake up with to have to continue to deal with all this craziness. But I'm so glad, I'm grateful to God for my experiences. I tell you, because now that I've gone through a lot of different things, I'm beginning to realize what really, like I understand what matters today more than ever before. So that's, you know, just where I am with that. But, um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of things happening. And when you talked about seeing death, you know, I felt like a chill up my spine because the last week I have been extremely focused on two projects that I've been working on and I had to get through these things and not be distracted and not have my um words or my um my words my position my whatever be a distraction for positive things that I was doing for black women um that I was doing for our community and just also doing for myself and my friends I've been working on these projects for a minute and it's particularly one. Um, and I, I, I had to be disciplined enough to really step back from 
the discourse of what's happening in the media and and not just in the media, but in the world, like real life stuff. And remember that even though, yes, these things are important, so are the other things that I'm working on. And there was no void of voices, people out there speaking to specifically the um, the, the devastating crisis that is happening in Israel-Palestine. Um, and I, I, I felt my heart was heavy because I wanted, you know, I'm, I'm so used to being out there and being in the conversation around important issues. And I wanted to do that, but I was so, I was, I was, I was, um, my heart was warm that I'm trying, I was, I won't even say content, but I certainly felt some level of, um, Stylish, if you will, and I don't even know if that's the right word, but you get my point by watching all of you, including, um, of course, Linda, of including Mark Lamont Hill, um, uh, Angela, I mean, uh, excuse me, Amanda Seals, uh, uh, Sean King, um, and the list goes on, Jamal Bryant, Freddie Haynes, um, you know, as I said, you already uh, really speak truth to power. Uh, and get out there and make sure that the story is being told in a balanced way. I've watched the news um, and I see I see several things at once. I see one um, where there is certainly some truth, like you know, there is there is there is um, a very real and very raw attempt to honor Israeli lives that were lost and the hostages who are held or being held um, right now. Um, and that was in, that's, that's happening and you see it. But I also see an imbalance in information and I see lies, flat out lies being told at times, depending on which network and all of them have um, selective storytelling um, and the way in which they speak. And that's why I said earlier that I'm so glad that I've been through the things that I have gone through because throughout the Women's March and other situations and issues that have come up in my life, which were truly controversial, where the media was involved, I got to see how they play games with words. I got to see how they will present some information and they'll present some facts and it will be embedded. It's, it's even in the context and the direction, it's in the imagery, it's in so many things that they intentionally misinform people or try to force people to only see one way. And in this, in this particular moment, I feel like it is better because we have forced you all really, I mean, obviously people already know where I stand, right? And so, but you all and the marchers, the protesters, the people who are rising up, the Jews that are rising up around the world to say, not in my name will you slaughter babies. Will you slaughter babies continuously? We don't want our babies slaughtered, which is the right thing to say because it is heart-wrenching to know that people 
families, men, women, and children died on October 7th in the attack against them. It is awful. It is horrible. I am not, and I said this before and I'll say it again, I refuse if you are looking for me as an ally to be someone who either celebrates and or lacks the empathy or the, the ability to acknowledge all death, all deaths, all murder, all of that, then you got the wrong person. And I'm okay with that because I can go home to my savior knowing that I'm standing in, the, in my right mind and in the right shoes when I can look around and say, I don't want you to die and I don't want you to die. And we do that every day because even in the gun violence prevention work that we do, we look at the person who's the shooter and the person on the other end of the gun as being equally important because both sides of the gun have a story. And I think that to me is what informs our compassion and our defiance and our calling for there to be an absolute ceasefire and an end, not just a ceasefire, but an end to the brutality that is happening in the Middle East. And of course, which we've been calling for even before October 7th is the end to the occupation of the Palestinian people, which I believe will ultimately keep Israeli uh, citizens or it's the citizens of um, Israel as well as Palestinians safe. I think that uh, the focus on Hamas and trying to take them out by bombing and shooting people is the wrong, killing people, killing babies and allowing those images to be out there. I think it is the wrong strategy. I'm not saying that I don't, I don't know good and damn well that if there is an attack against you, there will be a response that violence begets violence. I am not ignorant to that, but I do understand that a cycle must be broken. And in order for the cycle to be broken, because we could make an excuse for one side, this side, this side, that side, back and forth, we can keep doing this for forever until more and more people and more and more bloodshed, or we could go back to the root of the problem and deal with it so that there will be a, 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 a really so that the, the citizens, the people themselves will have a, a will have a lack of interest, a lack of need, a lack of vulnerability for any type of terrorism, whether it be from the IDF or Hamas. You won't need any of it. People will understand and it will people will feel free to move about and feel true security in their birthplace, in their, on their land. And that's, that's just it. So any news outlet that is not speaking to that, that's not talking about it straightforward, as far as I'm concerned, I quote Linda um, Sarsour, our sister, our Palestinian sister from Brooklyn, um, our partner, I quote her and I stand 100% by that if you don't tell the truth, about what's going on in this moment and support an ending to the occupation of Palestinian people, then you cannot possibly care about Jews and the people of Israel or anybody else because the only way I see to go forward is to end this occupation and to make sure that people feel safe and free to exist all over the Middle East.
my whole moral compass then was shifted through this. Just watching, you know, the death of babies for me. You know, just seeing, literally seeing babies die under rubble. Just fathers holding their children, mothers holding their children. Fathers, my father had the remains of his children's in bags. <laughs> you know, there was rubble. He was digging babies out of rubble. Like these was, this was really happened. You know, and I don't know, I don't know what type of human being, right? Because I, 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 I consider myself a warrior, right? I consider myself a warrior, and I, and I, and I'm willing to die for what I believe in. I'm staying for my family, this and that. I personally couldn't be at war with another human being and savagely murder their kids and their family and, and feel some type of, some type of um success or feel like I've accomplished something. My moral compass wouldn't be okay with me as a warrior. As somebody, I, I believe I'm a warrior. I don't think any real warrior soldier who willing to die for his country, his people, his life, would look at a baby dying and feel like he accomplished something. If you don't have a level of empathy or regard for that type of life or just understanding that that's not okay to you, then there's something that you have to Right, the fact that people are angry with people who have the humanitarian moral compass to look at human beings, mainly babies and women, dying in a, a quote-unquote war that is supposed to be had with soldiers, right? So, and, and nobody, and there are people who were able to justify it and feel as if it's really like an eye for an eye, the two for two. And for me, it's like I don't want to see none of it. And and anyone who would kill innocent people and kill children is wrong. It's horrible. It's horrific. And I do not stand by it. And I understand anyone who would speak against it. But if you can see that happen on one side and, and, and vehemently and adamantly speak up against it, and then you can see it happen on the other side and remain silent, to me it's just wrong. It means that you 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 you're okay with certain people being murdered and certain children being murdered. You're just not okay with others, or you're too weak or scared to say that you're not okay with it. And that to me, it's just not it's not it's not humane, you know. And and it it, it really pains me to watch black leaders and black people in positions of power who can take the position to say that I stand with Israel and if you should, you should stand against what Hamas has done. You should, you should absolutely stand against But if you can't use that same breath to say what is happening to the Palestinians is wrong and I stand for them to be free, then I don't understand where your moral compass is. I can't of good nature be able to see these babies dying every day for the last 18 days, just dying every day and not say anything. And it's just, oh, here's, it's just here's, here's a, oh, sorry. Am I on the thing? Oh, there I am. But here's, a, here's one point that I keep hearing people say, right? They keep saying, and, and, and I, my friends who are Jewish, I was having a conversation with one of my very, very close Jewish friends who said, they said it was so soon, you know, where people expected Jews and the world to just eat immediately turn their attention to the Palestinian people and begin, you know, automatically fighting for other rights and protecting other individuals. 
And she said it was so soon and it just felt so raw. And it's like they didn't have time to grieve properly. And they wanted the world to grieve with them. And I sat with that. It hit me so hard, like, because that, I feel that. I feel like when, you know, that's a real thing that we didn't get to grieve. And so it took me a few days or maybe overnight to respond to her. And then I said, here's the thing. Black folks have been doing that forever. Like, I understand what you're saying because we have to constantly horns, we horns, and tell people don't bomb the buildings. So you, the families be out there. How many times, like, you talk about it. How many times have we been at a, a George Floyd or somebody is shot to death, they killed, the blood is still on the street, the people are angry, and as soon as folks get ready to go tear up the buildings and the precinct the next day or the night of, we have no choice. The lawyers, the family members are at, the people, the organizers. The oh, and that's just, but that's, that's just property, though, right? Because it, it ain't. It ain't like it's 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 not like we 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 have to, you know, that we have to deal with the carnage of it. And we have to just tell people not to deal. With it. We gotta be so we gotta watch blood be spilled, and then we have to protect property. We told about protecting life, right? That's just the next level. We we can't even say yo fuck that that building can't. You know what? They done killed this man, and that building don't deserve to be here no more. Fuck it. We don't even have that, right? We don't even have that. So when it comes to life, we would we would never even say take innocent people's lives. Okay, they they shot somebody, so you know what? We gonna go bomb the, a whole building in Milwaukee because the police shot somebody in Milwaukee. That wouldn't even make sense. That is that's not something that I can fathom in my mind, right? If if my if this is just me, and I and I, I and because I don't deal with hate and vengeance, I don't deal with that. I don't even know what that looks like. If you took if you, if a life of mine take. If somebody shot and killed one of my family members, I could not sit there and, and and be happy to see a baby get killed because they shot one of my family. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't be silent. I like I don't know I don't know what that is, and that's other people's things. I'm just saying there are people who feel that way, and some people that say fuck that, you killed this, I'm period. I don't have that that type of moral compass. That's not who I am. I don't think that's what any warrior. Who warriors this? I can understand that maybe a civilian who's sitting here, if, if you lost your, your 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 loved one, maybe you maybe you do look Maybe there is a level of vengeance, but I don't see how that vengeance, you know, equates to babies and women. And it, I just don't see how that vengeance equates to that. I don't I personally don't see that. And I can't there's nothing that nobody could tell me that makes me feel like I should be quiet or I should understand why people feel like the death of one side is is the, the is horrific, but the death of the other one is something to be silent about. I just don't understand that. And I never will. There's nothing yeah, none of it is just a, none of it is none of it is right. None of it is right. None of it is right. All the killing is bad. All the killing is terrible. All the killing is horrible. And must acknowledge that even before October 7th, Palestinians were dying. We know we were there. We saw what happened. So we must we must acknowledge the brutality. Before October 7th, 
So how do you end the cycle? That's the question. That's the only question. You know, President Obama wrote a letter and you and I and others spent some time really reading it yesterday. And there's still some stuff in it that I, I still consider parts of the letter to be propaganda. I think to not be 10 toes down for a ceasefire is trash, period. I don't care who you are, President Obama, the, the, the queen, mother, whoever, President Biden, you name the people, just put them out on this, anybody. You bring me anybody. I don't care who it is. My mama, my mama and daddy, my granddaughter, who I love, everything I give my life right now. If she said, well, I don't believe in ceasefire, I'd be wrong. So to me, his whole letter, unfortunately, misses the mark because we must be calling to end what is happening there and to stop at least, at least for humanitarian aid. But beyond that, this point, a ceasefire is a small thing. There's much more that needs to be done. So I have to say that. But I also know and understand that one, he was the president of the United States of America, and he ain't going to go but so far against the position of the new president who he supports, right? And also the country and the politics and the things we know and don't know, the things that are seen and unseen, right? He's not going to go much further than that. And I am, I, am, I am politically astute enough to understand that half of it is said the other half isn't said, and then there's still some shit that's left out or that we don't we 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 we've not we're not privy to. I understand how the talks happen. I understand the games that's played. I understand all of it. So as I read the letter, I read it knowing that I wasn't gonna get a radical, uh, you know, he wasn't finna be uh Malcolm X. I know that, but I am looking for him to include important things. He said some things that were really important. And I wish I had it so I could read it at this moment, but I want to I want people to go because that's one of the things we're about to talk about next. It's people don't read enough from start to finish to understand and then check the source and do it and get another source for information, right? But he talks about how long this conflict, and some people don't like the use of the term conflict. So for those who don't like that term, we, we're not going to be perfect and, and nobody should be looking for, especially people who are not either um, from Israel or Palestine or uh, Israeli or Palestinian to say it exactly perfect every single word. That's just not realistic. So I understand some people say, well, stop saying conflict. Well, it is a conflict to me when people, all kinds of people are dying. But I understand, you know, of course, the occupation and all of those things. Um and he talks about the history of how it happened and how we got to this place. He talks about the fact that the the the, the 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 that Israel needs to follow the guidelines of the United Nations and all the other you know powers that be that set the, the tone for what is um, a humanitarian effort and what is violating law like war crimes he talks about that and says that they need to be careful not to turn global the global world or global society against them and they need to be you know careful about 
you know, what they do and, and, and how they go about uh, protecting themselves in this situation. Then he talks about the settlement, right? And he talks about how the settlements or, and settlers, which are people who have gone to Israel um, and, and the Jews who have shown up in Israel and in Palestine and decided this is my land and the government backs them taking people's land, throwing them out their homes. He talks about that and he says the settlers have gone unaddressed. They have been, the displacement is a problem. And, the, and, 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 and I thought that was powerful, talking about using the word, the terminology, displacement. You know, and, and I said to myself, it's not that people don't know the truth. It's that they are unwilling to say it. There is, the, there is this false narrative, and, and people have to deal with it, right? And there's the false narrative that when you speak and you have a different opinion about a situation like this, you know that somehow this word anti-Semitic is for you. And, it, 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 and it, it, what it does is it scares people from having a conversation. It makes people say, I don't want to be labeled that. You can have a disagreement. And that's one of the things that Obama said in his speech that was really, in a letter, really in touched a me in, in a letter that he said. He said, it is possible for people of goodwill to champion Palestinian rights and oppose certain Israeli government policies in the West Bank and Gaza without being anti-Semitic. Perhaps most of all, it means we should choose not to always assume the worst in those whom we disagree. In an age of constant rancor, troubling and misinformation on social media at a time when so many politicians and attention seekers see an advantage in shedding heat rather than light, it may be unrealistic to expect respect, respectful dialogue on any issue. And that, that's, what it, that's what it comes down to. There are so many people who have, you watched, people just have disagreements and you just think, okay, they disagree. It doesn't mean that I'm anti-you. I can be anti-oppression, right? I can think that what is, the Israeli government is doing in Gaza is oppression. And I can say that. And it doesn't mean that I'm anti-Semitic. It doesn't mean that I hate Jews or I don't like Jews. It can mean that I disagree with something. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's, it's actually horrible that we have to do that, that that people have to be quiet or don't want to say it because they don't want to be labeled something that they're not right we have love for we have love for jews we we on the front line with jews all the time in this movement this movement is comprised of mainly palestinian jews blacks it's all of us we fighting against oppression people who are oppressed so when people when people have to fear the fact that if they say something that disagrees with somebody they can be labeled something. It's just not fair. And it's just not fair. And, and, and what it does, it doesn't leave space for real dialogue, for honest dialogue, for people to honestly express how they might feel about something, whether you disagree or not. We can disagree on, on something. And I don't think that you anti-Black because you don't agree with what I am. I don't think that you're a racist person because you don't agree on my position with something. You know, and it's just not, I just don't understand how, you know, I guess, you know, it's a But people do label, but people do label folks who question, um, you know, police brutality or whatever. People do label white folks who have questions or push back or whatever as being anti-Black. And I think that is something that we need to um, examine, right? Because sometimes they are. And sometimes people are straight up anti-Semitic. 
and there is anti-Semitism. It exists and it has existed um, and people have been harmed as a result of it. I don't think anybody can sit here and say different. That That's not the point of the conversation. Never, the never point, the point of the conversation. The point right. is that every, every disagreement about a political stance that, ha- that has to do with this situation is not anti-Semitic. And it shouldn't be labeled that. You know, it's it, it, it just like somebody was saying the other day. So up to all this point, the same people that you thought were the best leaders in the world or followed and believed in everything that you've been with that been hand-in-hand with the Jewish community that been fighting against all these things. Now that they believe, like, you know what? I don't think maybe should be dying in Gaza, right? I think that, that doesn't make sense. I think that, you know, there should be a ceasefire. I think the Palestinians, you know, should be free. I don't think they should live in concentration camps, open-air prisons. I don't think anybody should live like that. Because you have that position, that doesn't that doesn't take back all of the shit that you've been doing in community with the Jewish community for years. So it's, 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 it's unfair that some people do it, like just like it'd be unfair when some people, who, if a person said, well, I think, you know, this police officer was right in this situation. I don't agree with the way this person acted. And you might not agree, but it doesn't mean that person is anti-black. It doesn't mean that person is racist. I've had, I've, we've had conversations and dialogue with people who don't agree with us on police. It's, it's black people that don't agree, agree with us on, or it doesn't mean you're anti-black. It means that we have a different position in this situation. It means that we don't agree. And we might not never agree on a subject and we can still love each other. And I can still think you're a dope person. I can still want you to live and fight for your rights every day, but I could not agree with you on a particular issue that has to do with Israel and Gaza. That's that's real. Well, Israel and Palestine. And Palestine. I just want to make sure because one thing that is very, 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 very important is that we stop allowing the media to make this Gaza because it is not just Gaza. It's the Palestinian people all over the region. And even in the West Bank, we are seeing protests. We're seeing people being brutalized. We're seeing people being arrested. We're seeing the internet um, and the stories, the news sources be um, uh, controlled that the people can even watch and listen to because they don't want Al Jazeera and others that are telling a balanced uh, story about the situation to exist in that area. So it's important because people are still, even in this moment with all that has happened, they're still dealing with a level of oppression. And therefore, we have to make sure we call it out. And I, you know, I think we can end this just again, reminding people that if you put a dog in a cage for a certain amount of time and you don't feed it, you treat it a certain way, you, you, you beat it, you brutalize it. When you open that cage or if that dog is able to get out of there, they are going to attack whatever is first and foremost. And when they attack it, it is not going to be pretty. That's what we learned about pit bulls. Don't play with them. Don't be beating them up or making them, you know, or, or, or confining them, mistreating them. Because when you do that, you turn them into animals. You turn them into something that you don't, I mean, well, they're already animals, but you know what I'm saying. You turn them into uh, something that you're not prepared to deal with, that they get into a situation where they are able to, um, you know, retaliate or react or or initiate or whatever you know since you want to put it in um and so the best thing to do is to treat all people and all uh and 
are all things that have life, that have a heart, that is a, a breathing, um, living uh, organism to treat it with respect. Because the more you respect it, then you have the right to demand respect from it. It doesn't mean that terrorism will always exist because we know that, you know, people do bad things to folks and they've done nothing wrong, nothing at all. They, they you know, they, they, that happened. And, I, and, and of course, even in this situation on October 7th, there were people who were killed who some of them were actually defenders of the Palestinian people. They were folks who, at least this is what I've been told, by watching news um, interviews and listening to some things online, that there were people who were very liberal, that they were out there and they believed in Palestinian rights, right? And so there's casualties all the time when there's war, but you got to get to the root of the war so you can end that. You can't just think that because you've taken out people that you're not actually just developing more of the same. They might change the name from Hamas to Tutu, you don't know what the new and improved version will be, but promise, but best and believe that what will not change is that the images that will be in the next generation's mind will be of that of a time when blood, bodies, pieced bits of bodies in bags, mothers, babies, fathers, families blown up, their community level. There is no way that that brings about the peace you claim you want. It's no way. It is no way. And do you do do I understand that war is war? Absolutely. But what they what, what I know is that you 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 have a military that goes out into a place where there's other military. And maybe this is just on the movie, but in the movies, what I see is there are military people that's out there. In the, in the middle of other military space or whatever you want to land or whatever they're fighting for, and they shoot and kill one another, people who have signed up to be there. So nobody should be going and taking some innocent life. Nobody should be doing that. And in order for us to stop it, I don't think it's that difficult of an answer. I think if, if you are a person who truly wants peace, it's not that difficult. But if you are someone who already, who already committed war crimes and who wants land and who wants power, un unconditional and unending power, then you will use anything as an opportunity to continue the plan you already had. And we're not going to see him play like that's not the situation. How does Netanyahu become a hero? Who are we serious? Yeah. Are we serious? Yanni was great during 9-11. And guess what? He's still a racist. He was a racist then, and he's still a racist, and it didn't change my parents' opinion of him. Even Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, I was getting in so much trouble online because during the pandemic, he was up there on TV, and he, they, oh, man, the people love Andrew Cuomo, baby. They thought he was the best thing walking they was so, and I was the only one dropping up there. Let me tell you the truth about who Andrew Cuomo is. Him, him doing this good thing during the pandemic is in the way that he speaks and how he's charismatically mesmerizing you has nothing to do with the havoc that has been wreaked over our community because of his policies 
because he has played games and, and been able to divide the Democrats so the Democrats don't have power so he can allow the freaking Republicans to impose their will on a people that have voted overwhelmingly for different uh, uh, policies for in, in a different direction, okay? I know who Andrew Cuomo is, and I didn't stop telling the truth about him just because, oh, now all of a sudden he's the the the, the dear sweetheart of the nation. So, you know, that's, that's my thing about it, and there's more to be seen. I think we ought to be out in the streets even more, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbocyclib. 
Ibrant's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. So also in the news, uh, Revolt TV has announced that Baltimore parents are outraged as no high school student passes the math proficiency test. No high school student in the whole city of Baltimore passed the math proficiency test. Now, there's a lot of things with that. I mean, there have been a lot of studies that talk about those proficiency exams and how um, they are not in the best interest of all children. The term racist has been used, but I don't know enough for me to add my, lend my voice to that. So I would just say that there has been absolutely uh, studies and talk about those proficiency exams and why they are not in the best interest of our, uh, you know, of, of young of young black people, you know, especially when you are um, teaching to test. Coming off of a pandemic, however, though, um, we still I'm hearing from educators, especially young black boys, have not fully returned to school since the 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 pandemic. We know that many of these students lost two, now almost three years of the proper foundation in terms of their education. And so it is not um, difficult for me to believe these results, but it can't be that everybody failed the test except that the system is completely broken, completely broken. Because even a kid who, who is not studying some of them are brilliant enough to be able to take tests and pass them. So if everybody failed, the system is so broken that it's actually very scary because it means if we can't handle this this thing here, if none of our students can handle it, where we're going as a people is a real sad, 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 sad place. No, it really is. You know, when I, when I heard that story, I'm not surprised. You know, I'm really just not surprised because not only is the system, you know, just failing our kids in general. And I, and I speak about this all the time. You know, I do a lot of um, curriculums in schools that I deal, especially like young boys, young men. And we have the lowest black, black male have the lowest graduation rate in high school. Right. We have the highest dropout rate. And, 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 and when you think about it, it's, it's for me, I'm, I put myself in the position of being a young black male in school, and I was actually intelligent, right? But there was a, there was very little that kept me engaged, right? There was very little in the curriculum and the style of teaching 
and everything that kept me engaged. I didn't really want to be there. I did it because, you know, I wanted I wanted to be able to say that I could pass the test. I wanted my mother to be proud. I wanted those things to happen. So, you know, I pushed myself to do it. But it wasn't like the classes were engaged me. They kept me engaged. You know, I speak about this all the time. I remember my son who, who, who was nine or 10 years old at the time just started crying when I was taking him to school. And he was like, I don't want to go to school because, you know, it pretty much hinders my creativity. Like, I, I'm supposed to be learning. I learn off life when I'm outside. It's fun. I'm learning. I learn things. And there you just sit there and you take tests and they just want you to pass the test. And it's, it's not, it doesn't really work for me. And he was crying. And I thought about this. I'm like, damn, because I remember feeling that way, you know? And so when we look at the structure and the system that we set up, especially for our children, they're not set up for us to be to excel. You know, there are some of us who are, some of us are able to, to fit within the system. Some of us, you know, were trained within, you know, our households and, and, and the way that we were brought up that they gave us this certain level of, you know, able to ability to adapt to this, their structure and the school. And then some of us did, most of us, but for the most part, especially in our communities at risk, when you talk about Baltimore, you know, you know, the, the demographic, you know, most of them are, are living in poverty stricken communities and, and situations like that, you know what they're dealing with every day. And you know that the, the, the current curriculum instruction, it, do, it doesn't engage them. You know, so if we, if we, if we, if we want to be intentional about giving our kids the best opportunities to excel, you know, and, and, and be able to win, we have to, we have to say to ourselves, yo, we got to create the structure that, that fits us. You know, every culture, when you look at cultural, when you look at school systems throughout the world, they are culturally competent, right? And and that's why the, the kids are able to excel. Like even there was once, like um, I think last year, they would talk about how in in New York that the, the Jewish schools they were they weren't given, they weren't making their kids take these tests, oh. right? They were saying that they, they weren't even giving it to them because they didn't like man, we didn't we not giving our kids because this shit. First of all, it must have not been cult culturally competent to them. They didn't feel like it was relevant to their level of intelligence and the shit that they needed to do in their community to be successful. You know, so if, we, if we're not intentional about having that same level of cultural competence in our community and in our schools to make our kids feel like they have, they enjoy learning, that they have an opportunity to learn, like we're not, we're not creating systems that say, hey, this is the best way that black and brown people learn inside of school. This is the best way for us to get the best, you know, the highest level out of them. And if we're not doing that, we're going to keep having these conversations. We're just going to keep having them. I tell people, I remember I was in seventh grade and um, my teacher, you know, I, I was in eighth grade actually. And, and we was having standardized tests. And um, we, had, we was one of the smartest classes inside the school. Uh, one of the uh -huh. smartest classes in the school and we had a teacher and she looked at, when she gave the test off, she was looking through it and she realized that none of the shit that we was learning was in this test. And what she did was, the lady, I'll never forget it, she went inside the room, pulled the curtain down and started giving us the answers. Literally started giving them, writing the answers on the board and erasing them looking, making sure none of the people, because she realized that we weren't prepared, that 
whatever they was teaching us didn't prepare us for these tests that they was giving us. And I was, I, I even though I, I felt like most of the answers she gave me, I had anyway, but there was a lot of people in the class that was lost. Like, what the fuck is this? You know, we, 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 we weren't properly prepared. They weren't given. And I, and I think that, and I, I think that, I think that, you know, there's something to be said about the fact that we cannot accept uh, mediocrity, right? And we have to succeed, excel, and then succeed and excel again. So I, I don't, you know, I don't want to give the impression that we think it's just okay or, you know, black children should just have something different or be treated differently. But um, I, I, I know for a fact that in Baltimore, they're some super, super, duper smart kids. Everybody in Baltimore is not um, uh, 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 un, uneducated or unable to pass that test. There's something else going on. And I hope that they take the time to figure it out. And I also hope that parents, while they can be upset with the system, but that they also look at themselves to, to know how much are they helping their children to focus so that they can be prepared beyond the test. You know, beyond test. I'm not even talking about the test. I'm talking about just making sure that our kids are properly prepared. But I knew that there would be some ramifications of the pandemic. And I think this is one of them showing up. And it's going to be even more because our ability to compete in the global society is really, really, um, it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, sensitive topic. And it's also a, uh, it's a, a, a gloomy conversation because it's not, we're not where we should be. But I do think that when we speak about Baltimore, we should shift to the next conversation quickly. Um, and, and I want to give my thought of the day in here related to the issue that we were just talking about. I, I'm really watching this next topic unfold and I'm realizing that reading and comprehension is becoming real difficult for folks. I was driving the other day and I was going to a place in New Jersey on Route 4. And I've been going to this place for several years. I go there all the time. I got ready to put on my GPS the address. And I said to myself, why are you using that GPS to get to somewhere where you know how to go? Yeah, sure, there's a couple turns that, you know, sometimes you kind of, when you're going to some, it's not my everyday drive. So when you're going it from New York into New Jersey, if you don't know what you're doing, you could go past something and then you got to go all the way back. And that's not always easy. So it's definitely simpler to put your GPS on and it take you straight there. But I rejected the idea that I can't figure this out on my own with my own brain. And I don't need the phone, the Internet and the lady talking to me to tell me exactly how to get to where it is that I'm going. I need to open my eyes, pay attention stop talking on the phone so much or doing whatever else that I'm doing that's distracting me from using my own brain. So I just started driving. And you know what? When it was time for me to turn into the entrance to where I was going, which by the way, it is a very, it's kind of dangerous because if you don't signal early enough and then turn into the parking lot, you can really, you could cause an accident because it's people right up on you behind you. And I wasn't paying attention that well at that time. 
And so I went past it, right? And then I started for a few seconds being like, damn, I went past it. I should have put the GPS on. Right. I didn't have another conversation with myself. Like, it's not that serious. You need to get off here, either go around the back way and come around to it. This ain't like I'm in a different community. I'm not in the next state. I, You know, I'm okay here. Or just go this way, do this, do that. Took me six or seven extra minutes to find my way around. And the next thing you know, I was at my location. And I said to myself, one of the things about this cell phone and the conveniences of information that is largely misinformation in some instances and in other instances overload of information is that it is dumbing people down from being able to read discern and understand underlying context and facts and the reason why this happened is because when all of us last week uh or the week before when we were traveling together to go to our um our co-workers mother's funeral service as I was driving I was having issues because the GPS wasn't catching up with me to go different turns or whatever and I started and and because I was relying so much on the GPS to tell me things the sign was right there and I wasn't paying attention so I said to myself when going to Jersey from New York City I'm not going to focus only on this phone because if the phone goes dead or something happens, huh? No, the phone, we, we focus on that phone, boy. That's what I'm saying. It, it has become the end-all, be-all. And it just can't be that way. It just can't be that way. So, you know, there's some people who will probably say, whatever, do what you want to do, and that's fine. I respect that, too. But I personally have decided that I have to do a lot more without the cell phone guiding my every move because it is truly taken away from I remember before my parents had cell phones they used to read books all day long that's what they love they'd be reading three books at the same time both of them sitting there either reading the same book and discussing it or reading one read one book then pass it to the other one the other one reads like they used to read books all the time and I'll never forget my father saying that since he picked up the cell phone because they didn't have cell phones they, they waited maybe a year and a half or so two years after people, everybody had a phone, they still was on the, the back end of that. But I remember my father saying to me, since he picked up the cell phone, it has it has cut back on the amount of reading because he can't necessarily focus on reading as much as he used to. And I realized that that's part of the problem with this generation is that we are so focused on the cell phone and focused on the information coming through the line coming through the, the, you know, everything you you see, everything you know, your full understanding is based upon a post or something that you read on the internet, which is through two sentences and maybe a caption, maybe a caption, maybe even 10 words that somebody said when the, 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 the extra part is in word 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, but all you heard is up to 10 and therefore you make a full assumption you're not even a person to sit back and I and say, well, let me go see a little bit more about that. And it brings me to my thoughts on Jada Pinkett and this book. I've already put a statement out there um, and, you know, and talked about it. But now this week we had a beautiful, amazing event. I just want to thank you, um, my son and James um, uh, Bond and Angelo Pinto and all the other brothers who were there to assist the women 
and make sure that our event went well, all the help that you all were putting in and the hands and the drinks and the this and the that and just everything y'all did to accommodate us, holding phones, taking pictures, you know, making sure that we, we had everything that we needed as a team. But I, 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 it's, it's interesting to me that I see so many people making comments about the posts have been going up for the last two days where people are saying positive, beautiful things about the energy, about Jada, about the book, about what they learned. There are still people, there's a few that I'm like, that I see that's like, really? Like, that's your impression? Because I was thinking something different. Even people who came to the event said, I, you know, I was side-eyeing y'all because I ain't even understand it, but I can't because my girls invited me. And now I'm leaving with a totally different understanding, a totally different feeling. And I, uh, after s- sitting with that and looking at how there were people in, the, there are people in the comment section that even though, I or someone else is saying, wow, you can't judge a book by by its cover. Wow, I heard some powerful things. Wow, I was so glad to hear Jada's story and to read, you know, to hear things in a book. Or oh, wow, I read the book and it's it's amazing. And, and, I, and I got to see the energy. I feel this and that. They still in there like, no, I can't believe you would say that. Oh my God, this world is going. Oh my God, how can you support her? You this and that and the third. Meanwhile, you ain't read the book. You've never been in a room with the woman. And we had, and you telling us based upon a social media post, you're giving us your opinion based upon a social media post or seven or eight words that you heard the sister say. And we're telling you that we sat there for hours and heard all of it. And people have read the book and listened to long form two, three hour podcasts where she is speaking in full sentences where the book, you can read the paragraphs to know the story. they like, oh, she's changing the story now. No, the story in the book is exactly what she is saying, but you are hearing a clip or somebody's impression of it and making a determination and telling folks who are actually doing due diligence about a black woman. Here you are, a black woman, Tearing down somebody you don't know, never sat down with, haven't read the book, haven't listened to a long-form interview of any sort, haven't, haven't heard anything past a few words, and you got the nerve as a Black woman and even a Black man to sit up there and try to tell somebody who did do all of that, that they are crazy or they are wrong or Jane ain't this or that and the third, and you ain't spent more than six minutes listening to what she's saying. That, to me, is the most ridiculous thing ever and it's telling me that the cell phone is dumbing people down because the cell phone helps you form opinions about things meanwhile meanwhile the in-person interaction that we had with Jada and Will and their family for years says something completely opposite of the shit that you see online and yet you think because you read it in a clip that you know more than we know. I think for me, right, it's it's the hypocrisy. It's it's this the um, you know I, I get I get called the simp every day. Oh, you you never hold black women accountable. Why you never do this? And I, and, I, and my 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 reaction and reply to that is simple. I've never been a black woman my whole life. I've never been a black woman. I've been a black man my whole life. And I was raised on what men should do. 
I was raised by other men, and they say, hey, men should be carrying themselves like this, and men should be doing this, and men should be doing this. And this is what a man does. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't taught about what a woman should be doing or what a woman should do. I know what the woman that I want you to do, right? So I, I, I can, I'm able to pick that woman. That doesn't mean that what my, my expectation of what a woman should do for me is what a woman should be altogether. That's the, the, I don't want to put my expectations on all women, but I do believe that there are certain activities and certain shit as men that we should be doing and ways that we should be carrying ourselves. And I'm going to always be vocal about those things. So when we talk about this situation, the fact that, to me, that there are so many men that have so much to say about what Jada done, what Jada said, right? And they are ignoring the fact that her husband, the man that she's with, hasn't said many of the shit that she's saying, isn't angry about the shit that you angry but you assume because you have a criteria, the expectation for your woman to be a certain way. And that's why you're not in the relationship with Jada Pinkett. That's why your relationship is not their relationship. They've been re together for over 27 years in a relationship, in a marriage for all these years. And it's working for them because of the things that you might not hear and be like, you know what? I, I could never do that. I could never. Oh, man. And it is a lot of y'all is in relationship with women. That niggas that got four or five baby murphans and had babies while y'all was together. A lot of y'all is when women that that got babies growing you. A lot of y'all a lot of y'all are products of those relationships. A lot of y'all just come from this moral high ground shit that y'all be talking because it's the internet. Because you don't think nobody knows what you've been dealing with or what you put up with. And if it was okay for you, that was your relationship. The shit that you 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 probably put up in your relationship. Jada and Will probably wouldn't do what they put up with what they put up in their relationship. You don't understand the dynamics of someone else's relationship to be able to have such full judgment on it. It is actually corny to me that I watch men always be like, oh, Jada. I watch a lot of men talking about what well, Jada's this and she's this and that. And I watch niggas all like I had this conversation the other day and I'm like, yo, the shit that I be seeing Blueface do to them girls, that shit is crazy. Ain't no man gonna be like, yeah, that shit is whack, bro. Like, those are your, your big moments. Like, have a, a, a level of respect or, you know, fuck it. I don't give a what you go through. Just talk, just like we watch it. Like, they say, yo, we'll respect Jada enough to not say, even if you, whatever you think is going on, you know there's a level of respect for that, that woman, right, that a man has. He's carrying himself like a man in every situation. When we look at the situation that Jada's going through and when the reason why there had to be a red table talk, you know why? Because it was a sucker-ass nigga that wanted to dispose what he had to talk about in their family. He went, he went, he he opened his mouth about a relationship with another woman that she never said nothing about. And that man decided, I'm gonna go public about me being in a relationship. This is what suckers, this is the sucker shit that y'all don't say nothing about. Nobody ain't saying that sucker shit. And that that brings me to my I don't get it. You know, we can continue on, but I, it, it's, this is just a perfect segue for my I don't get. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. 
the best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. It's like... Even when I was listening to Blueface talk about he had sex with Megan and this other person talking about who they had, when did men start doing this clown shit? Like, when did men just start saying, yo, I had sex with a woman and I, and I need to publicly talk about it? That shit is so corny to me. Like, to me, like, men, yo, we never did shit like that. Women wanted to talk about uh, them having sex with I never wanted to 
to brag and, and, and publicly talk about who I had sex with because they were so like, this shit is so corny. When did niggas get this corny? Like, it used to be real men and be like, nah, that's me. Me and, well, me and that woman did is personal to us. You know, I'm not going to divulge that information if that's not something that's public knowledge already. I'm not publicly going out and divulge a private situation I had with a woman. Y'all niggas don't fuck the game up. When did y'all niggas get this weak and tender dick that y'all, y'all need to get props for having sex? A woman's supposed to be getting props for having sex with you. When your niggas got this weak, man? When your mouth start opening up and, and talking about shit like that? So we look at this whole situation that brought us to a red table talk. It was a nigga. It was a, a, a nigga that decided, oh, you know what? My feelings are so hurt that I'm going to go on public TV and I'm going to talk about how this woman did me bad when we were in a relationship. And now she decided to talk and she explained to y'all what was going on in her marriage or how they were separated. And y'all didn't want to hear that part. Y'all just want to villainize that woman. And just to me, it's just watching men like, I don't, I don't really talk about what women say to other women. That's y'all decision. Y'all, y'all know what y'all going through. Y'all can have y'all dialogue. That's your thing. But to me, just keep constantly watching men have something to say about Jada when her man ain't saying nothing about it. It's just corny. That nigga need to get a life, bro. I know a shit that we, you dealing with in your household that if a no nigga be like that, I probably ain't gonna deal with that. We all have. We all dealt with I shit that other that. people they ain't gonna deal with. In their own relationship, and y'all just need to mind your motherfucking business, man. On the thing that, well, you know what? I don't, I don't aspire to this whole mind your business thing because when people put their business out there, then folks are gonna speak on it. So I'm cool with that. If you're going to say when they put their business out there, say the right business, right? No, don't they don't even know them. because. They they they're not even in so if you if you're not informed if you just make it a just like I don't what I don't do right like when I said your know, blue face said that he had sex with Magnus Tan I didn't get that off of blog so I watched I watched the interview and I heard him say that his mouth right I didn't say yo this person said that this is going on and this well, you said it was old news he said it was old news I, this is what I'm trying to say so when I when I make the this uh, uh, when I make my opinion off of something. It's something that that individual personally said they did and personally admitted, and then I can, I'm basing it on that alone. I'm not basing it off, oh, she cheated on real, she did this, this. He ain't say that. He ain't never said that. No, he never said that. He never said that. I mean, you know, she admits, which, by the way, no one is perfect, and no situation is going to be perfect, right? So she admits that the whole thing... The whole red table talk, people didn't want them to do it because as they were getting ready for it, the only right thing to do would have been to tell people at that time that they were separated. And she says, Will wanted to go to the table with her. He didn't want her to go by herself. So she went to the table. They sat together. And then she knew based upon the way in which, you know, the communication was going, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to tell people that they weren't together. And it's a lot of things about that. It's a lot of things about we can sit here and analyze, but we won't. But you can read between the lines. Number one, when people say, oh, he looks so hurt and this and that, I don't, I, I know, I know from living life, not from being their friend or knowing Jada and being around and seeing them, because I've never seen anything other than honorable behavior and them being so loving towards one another. But me being a woman and living life, we know that, Jada and Will didn't just separate in 2016 because they woke up and said, oh, I don't like you. Shit happened. 
some things went on, right? And I'm sure some things went on that he did. Like she said, he ain't perfect nor is she. So wherever they ended up, whatever they came to, when they got to the red table, when you start talking about exposing to the world that we not really, we, we've been separated for a while, people have to really think about the fact that Will Smith has in many ways lived a perfect life publicly, a perfect life. You don't know much about anything that he has going on. It has been publicly pretty much perfect. Everything else is hearsay and salacious headlines and whatnot, but it's been pretty much perfect. So when people start unveiling and pulling apart that perfection, it's not easy for everyone to deal with for many different reasons. So she says that people didn't want her to do the red table, but she was ready. She was ready to talk. She was ready. And sometimes our egos drive us in a lot of ways to be like, uh-uh, y'all. Like she said, I wasn't going to be emotion held hostage emotionally. I wasn't going to let people know something about me and try to hold it over my head or use it and talk about me as it. No, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell my own story. And I think the story is powerful, but I appreciate the one thing she said that is the best part. I mean, she said a lot of things at that event, a lot of things that were so powerful and it was so moving all the way to your stomach. You could feel it because she's so dope. But it was the one thing that I think sums up this conversation. And that is when that woman said, Mia will be laughing at everybody together. And she said, she said, and the, because the question that Kim Blackwell, who was an incredible moderator or conversationalist with Jada, Kim Blackwell did an awesome job. And the question Kim asked her was, how do you, um, you know, how, how are the kids and how is all of this working out for the kids and with all the noise and whatever? And Jada said, one, this is old folks' problem because my children... For the most part, when I'm talking to them, they don't even know. They're not even, they're in a whole different world. They don't know. They're not seeing this every day. This is not something that's coming up on their timeline all the time. But beyond that, my family has been through this. I'm telling y'all the story on the back end. They already been through it with me. So they know the deal. They understand the dynamics of the relationship between their father and me and this and that. They know all of that. And she said, if my family wasn't good, I would not have written this book. I wouldn't even be doing this if my family wasn't good. But we're in such a solid place as a family that it gives me the freedom to speak and to tell my story. And I thought that was beautiful. And we know, even at the times when they may have been going through things that we didn't know, we were in space with them. And, and we can honestly attest and, and anybody who doesn't believe it or this and that, that's on you. We can honestly attest that the Smith family is one of the most solid, down-to-earth, beautiful, and loving families that I've ever experienced in terms of these Hollywood relationships. Those people are solid. And whatever they, they but they're solid and real. So real shit has happened. And I think that Jada and the way in which she's telling her story and all that it means, I just feel sorry for anyone that's so foolish that they're caught up in the headlines and they miss the opportunity to learn something and to experience what this woman is offering to us in this time. Because we know, we had a conversation with one of our friends who said, I came here thinking y'all was all crazy. 
I couldn't believe it. And But now I'm leaving here feeling inspired, feeling empowered, feeling like, wow, like, damn, like, what can we do to make sure her truth is really out there? Because this stuff that's out there, that ain't, that's not matching up with what is actually in the book. That's that with me. And that's pretty much it, man. You know, that's on period, man. Shout out to Jada. Shout out to Will. Shout out to the Smith family. You know, I look forward to reading the book. It's, you know, because I, I, you know, just having a relationship with both of them. And just want to get per- correct, right? Just not just want to spew shit. Like, people just be on the end of the internet just such a cesspool for, for dumb shit. People just spew anything and say whatever they think. They don't have no facts to back it up. They just throw all type of random bullshit. I read the book, understand exactly what's going on. And then if you make a, de- a decision that you don't like Jada or you... You think she did all this shit based on the facts? Then cool. Then that's your opinion, and, and, and that's good. But I just they're gonna say I don't want to read the book. They're gonna say I don't want to read the book. But if you don't want to read the book and you don't want to get the real information, yeah, you, you should be quiet. You should just be quiet. You should just be quiet. And and that's how we gonna end this show, man. Once again, we appreciate y'all for supporting Street Politicians, man. It's been three seasons. Three seasons of Street Politicians, man. We love y'all. Keep on just supporting us. Number one podcast in the world. Shout out to our shout out to Black Effect Network for all the love and support. You know, we, we really appreciate y'all. Keep on giving us ideas, man. Hit us up at Street Politicians Pod on Instagram. DM us. Let us know what you want to hear. Tell us how much you love us, how much you hate us. We want all the feedback. We truly appreciate you. We're going to keep doing what we do. I'm not going to always be right. Tamika D. Mallory's not going to always be wrong. We both always, and I mean always, 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 be authentic. Salute. Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWoman.tv. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWoman.tv. That's how we own it! In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes. Real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems 
may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.